0: Welcome to the gamedev.tv community podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. What's up gamedev.tv? Today we got a special guest, Nathan Kelman, joining the show. He's an incredible designer, he's got some awesome work on uh, ArtStation and we have him on the show today to talk about level design and all that good stuff. So Nathan, can you introduce yourself a little bit to the community and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, hey what's up everybody, Uh, name is Nathan Kelman, Um, as Brandon said I'm a level designer right now on Project Ruby Shark. Um, I also recently just graduated with a master's degree from Michigan State in May, yeah May, yeah that sounds right. and yeah, man, just love playing games, uh, like working out, um, you know. I like long walks on the beach, you know, all the fun stuff.
0: Hey, can't go wrong <laughs> with long walks
1: on
2: the beach. The great <laughs> things we can't really do right now, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know.
0: <laughs> do you have beaches over there, Ricardo?
2: Well, they say they have, but they're not really, like, good beaches.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think so. But
2: anyway, it's what but, it is. Yeah, so, but, like... The Mediterranean is like, kind of right here, two hours away or so. so mm-hmm. Doable. Awesome.
0: So Nathan, when did you get started with like your love for games or levels? Like, how old were you when you first played you played your first game?
1: Oh, man, how old was I? Uh, I. It was a long time ago, but I remember I used to play Nintendo sixty four. Mm-hmm. I can think of was Pokemon Snap, and you know, oh, Sim- okay. Yeah, just going around, take Pitch Pokemon by, fell in love with it. And probably around when I was 15 years old, I realized I wanted to make games because um, I was playing like a lot of JRPGs and things of that nature and just falling in love with the storytelling and the mechanics. And it wasn't really till I got into college, my, my undergraduate from my last year, when I got into a game dev uh, minor. And started taking game dev classes, learning a lot of 3D art, um, game design, all that. And I just really fell in love with the process, fell in love with us making games. And around the time I was doing my master's is when I wanted to be a level designer. Just playing a lot of Uncharted, Last of Us, uh, a lot of those mm. games. Really fell in love with like this, you know, using the environment to use storytelling and to guide the player where to go. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. So you said you got into level design during your master's? Mm-hmm. So- What were you into beforehand? Were you just doing game design or less like games and just like going to school for like trying to figure it out? Like, how did that process go?
1: Right, yeah. So, for undergraduate, I didn't get into games really because my undergraduate degree is architecture with a minor in art and Mm game design. And I didn't get into game design until my last year because that's when the minor had just came out and Mm -hmm. switched from computer science to then. And at first I wanted to be a 3D artist. Um, I didn't know in what I, didn't know I wanted to make characters or environments, but I just really liked, always loved doing art. And during my master's, um, I switched to design because while I was in my undergrad, I did a competition for one of our game development clubs. And I guess I, I had a chance to pitch my own game and I actually came in second and I had a team work, Yeah, a teamwork under me. And that's when I really learned a lot of the game development process, just working with people understanding design, and doing my master's, I really switched to design because I really love trying to figure out what makes a game fun for a player, and whenever we did projects, I always ended up doing the levels not realizing that was, like, a real job until, uh, yeah, until, like, a couple, until what I kept doing it, and you know, I realized like you know, what? I really like doing this level stuff. And then I found out, wait, level design is like a thing that you know someone has to build those environments. So that's when I really started focusing on that. And also let me like combine my level design and art together into one uh,
0: one job. That's awesome. You must have felt amazing when you were like, wait a minute, I could do this for a living. Yeah, I
1: was. always like, wow, well, wait, I can like just make, I can just move blocks all day. Yeah, I can do that.
0: Yeah, put music on and just chilling. Sounds Honestly. pretty easy, right? But there's a lot of complicated stuff that comes to the level design. So, like, mm-hmm. what is one thing that, that people should really focus on when they're trying to, like, start level designing? Oh,
1: uh, man. When it, I would say when you want to get into it, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I would say if for when you get started, um, just playing games and understanding the environments, like how they guide the player, um, how does it tell the player what mechanics they're supposed to do. Just really pay attention to things like that because... A lot of games when you when you start getting into LD. So yeah, when you first start getting into levels um you really want to pay attention to this how spaces are set up. Um because you no know, first person shooters are going to have different spaces than like an uncharted traversal. Because you no, know, in uncharted they have like the little white corners on the on the rock, so you know that you can climb there or having places where you know they you go up on, on top of the hill, and you see a huge vista, like oh yeah, we're going to that temple over there first-person shooters, there's a lot of cover. You have to understand like how to have a player flow through the space. So I would definitely say just pay attention to that. And another thing is, um, when you start really getting into it, just observing the environment around you, like in the real world. And like there are times where I'll walk around the house and I'm like, I wonder how this would be if I put the couch here and it was like a first-person shooter or what if I was like walking down the street and I'm like, oh, what if the player wanted to climb up this building and then went across the rooftops like Assassin's Creed? So. It's just really that's being really become observant of how players, pe- how players and people move through spaces, whether in game or in real life.
0: So that was key. We were saying we were like walking around and just seeing like game moments in real life. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think a lot of people realize that, but like a lot of what we can build in games comes from the real world. So the best way to do mm-hmm. it is to go out there and experience life and, or watch and observe it. Yeah. So how did you know to start doing it or did you just it was naturally for you?
1: It was just like, I think what it was is as I got more to level design, so I took a class um, from CG Master Academy called Level Design for Games. It was um, taught by uh, Patrick Haslow. I think now it's by someone named Shane Canning who currently works at Square Enix. And the videos are made from Amelia. I can't, anou- I can't pronounce her last name, but she works at Naughty Dog. And that really taught me a lot about how like looking up real-world references. So if you're wanting to build a level, say, based in New York City, then look up things in New York City. Go to Google Maps. Look up the little 3D maps. Uh, see, okay, how am I going to guide a player through Times Square maybe? And really just – because especially for a lot of games, like, say, Last of Us, or even Part 1 or Part 2, they take real-world locations, and then they end up just using those as gameplay spaces. I think I wa- I, read, I read a blog from Michael Barclay, who's a game designer at Night Dog, and he said for what the team did for Last of Us Part Two for Seattle, they actually went to Seattle uh, for a couple of days, visited a couple of places, got a bunch of references. And then when they were building the game, they actually built up Seattle um, in 3D, in engine. And then they started breaking it down to see like, okay, how would it, what would Seattle look like, you know, 20 years from now, if a pandemic would have happened uh, within the Last of Us situation. So yeah, just really wow. think that, yeah, just really understanding that, you know, there's a lot of, inspiration from the, from the real world and definitely like in, in architecture is a really
2: big part of it yeah, yeah sadly the pandemic part is also now <laughs> kind of the real world as well
1: Lisa's no zombies
0: yep
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: we just need some juggernaut and speak cold and we'll be fine <laughs> so when you what made you want to get into game design as you're like minor like was it just the playing the games like how yeah, did you like go that way
1: so yeah, for me, I so when I was like a, when I was in high school, like around fifteen years old, I remember I was playing the game. It was called Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. Honestly, one of the best JRPG games ever. And I just remember that was like the one RPG that I played multiple times. And as we may know, JRPGs are long, like yeah. the eighty hours. And I replayed it like three times because I was crazy. And I just really fell in love with the game. And that's why I knew I wanted to do games, but the thing was the circle I was in with my friends, um, no one really knew uh, anything about, like we knew like we liked playing games, but no one knew really what it took to make them. And it wasn't really till, cause I also was playing football at the time. Um, I played football from high school to college. So of course that like ate up all my time, but in the back of my mind, I kept thinking like, man, I would love to get opportunity to play games. And really my last year, I found out there was a game design minor and as soon as I found out about it, I went to my counselor, I said, hey, man, like, switch me into this, like, right now. Because this is for <laughs> first opportunity, so I was, like, 15 years old. I'm now, like, 21, 22 years old. I'm like, yeah, I, I, this is definitely want to get into. And then once I got into it, man, I just really fell in love with it and haven't looked back since.
0: What were the classes like?
1: Um, so for my undergrad, uh, the class that I was taking, because it was still new, it was taught by uh, Professor Andre Thomas Um, he used to be the head of graphics for EA, so he worked on a lot of the Madden NCAA games. And for the classes, for the first class we took, it was mostly about paper prototyping. Um, for a project, we had to, we ended up doing a board game slash card game, and I was an artist on it. And I really, for me, that was really, um, amazing because just learning how to balance card game, how to balance a card game, how to make all the art, it's just like man, the fact that there are people who sit down, and they have to think about this stuff and see how it all works and how it all interconnects with each other, just to make the game fun. Um, mm-hmm. but then when I did my masters at Michigan State, um, they had a game development minor themselves, but because I was a graduate student, I was able to take it. And for those classes, what happens is in the first class. Um, what is game design development one is when you get into small groups for about six weeks a piece and you just make games together, just trying to get to know people in your cohort. Then the next class is the prototyping class where they kind of split up into, into even smaller teams, So maybe like teams of two, teams of three, and you guys just make prototypes. You just sit there and make one to two week prototypes. And then after halfway through the semester, you then take one of those prototypes and try to build up something uh, to a higher standard. Then the third class, which was Game Studio, is when you would take that prototype and make it into a year-long uh, project, and you try to get that as good as possible. And the last class was Capstone, and for that one at Michigan State, it was pretty much like the one prior for a semester-long class, but you have an industry professional working with you as a mentor. So mm-hmm. the year I was there, we had people from High Moon Studios, Insomniac, um, Volition, uh, Iron Galaxy and Bungie, because MSU has a lot of uh, alumni in the game industry, and they always love trying to come back and get back to the to the community. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome to hear. But dang, mm-hmm. that's like that sounds like great class to help you learn how to fit into the actual like industry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things where it's like, hey, learn this theory, learn this snap, but it's like the main thing you got to do is build games and work with teams. So yes, you just do that. Mm-hmm. So, what are some lessons you've learned from some of those classes, like how to work with a team and Some different game design tips?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say, number one, if you want to be a designer, um, being a designer doesn't mean you have all the ideas. It means that you take people's ideas and you figure out um, which ones work best for the game that you're building. Because and I think this is a funny thing, because, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, if I give you a game idea, you might steal it. But in the industry... Everybody has ideas, from the, from the guy in QA, to the creative director, to the head of the whole studio. And it's more of as a designer. So say if I come to you and you we're working on Call of Duty, and you come to me and you're like, oh, Nathan, I have this cool idea for, like, we a dragon flies out of nowhere, and, like, you know, you got to have a sword to fight the dragon. And for me, I'm like, okay, that sounds cool, but we're making Modern Warfare. That doesn't make sense for the game we're making. So for you as a designer, you have to take those ideas and figure out how to make them work within the systems that you're building.
0: Maybe you can have a plane be called the dragon and then a sword <laughs> be the gun. And then that's how you can fit into the game. <laughs> yeah,
1: and hey, that's, when the, that's when the talking starts, man. That's when the ideas start
0: flowing. Yeah, see? So you would be like, it's cool, but like, it doesn't work. But maybe we can make it work. And brainstorming happens. That's how being creative is. Just mm-hmm. like, think about it differently. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you were talking about you were ahead of a team at one point in that yes. competition. So, mm-hmm. what did you learn as a lead, like, being a leader in a game dev industry? How should someone, learn, like, follow in your footsteps, I guess, to lead their own teams?
1: Oh, man, that was... Yeah, that, that project was interesting because, for me, I had just gone into game design, and that mm-hmm. was... Hey, Nathan here, lead like 20 people to make it work.
0: <laughs> it it was crazy. How did you
1: do it? It was. Man, I I had a great team, man. I had great leads that helped me out because there were some days I was like, yo, how do I even do this? And it's like, hey, Nate, like, it's okay. We got you. Um, I guess what I we'll would definitely say is if you're going to be a lead, and this probably goes for anything you do, is just get to know the people that you work with. Um, everybody have different personalities. You know, you... I'm, I'm going to talk to Ricardo different than I talk to Brandon. You know what I mean? There are some people where you can tell them, hey, I want you to go make me this. I want you to go make me this level. And they'll be like, okay, cool. I'll go make it. And then they'll come back to you. And you don't have to really worry about it. And there are some people where you'll give them a task. And sometimes you have to be like, hey, man, how's that task going? You know? So you just really have to understand and learn who you're working with because everybody's a different person. You have to treat them as your own person.
0: That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Have, so, did you have any problems with any of your team members in that competition? Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. It's just, i mean, the thing was too was like you know, we're we all all—we're all, all students, also, you know, yeah. own thing. And I think for me personally, just me learning the whole game development process, understanding, you know, the differences between real-time rendering and like movie rendering. Because I remember there was one time, uh, because the game idea was like you were this this ninja trying to steal treasure from a dragon that was in the lair. I remember I once made crazy like, yes, yeah, so I want the player to walk on top of like the piles of gold and the gold falls down. And my friend who was a tech artist was like, bro, like we can't do that. Like and I remember I showed him a clip from The Hobbit of Smog where Bilbo's like running around with coins everywhere. And he, he was like, bro, where he was like, bro, we're not making a move, we're making a game. So it's that even for me just learning the differences between real-time rendering and movie rendering. And I'm, I was so happy I was so happy to be with people I was because they of course they had so much more experience than I did. So they're able to let me know and kind of teach me like, hey man, this is how we kind of uh, go about it. And I guess another thing I would say too, um, for advice, uh, just understanding the different disciplines, because what happens is when you understand, maybe if you're a designer, you understand what a programmer does or an artist does, you're able to talk to them about what they're doing. So for me, I have an art background and I love talking to artists about art. So whenever I'm building a level, we talk about you know, how can we guide the player, what kind of silhouettes we want things to be so they're recognizable, um, all type of things in that nature. And what happens is also you can even understand how long things may take. So if you give somebody a task. And they're like, oh yeah, it'll take me like you know maybe two weeks, but you know it's going to take you like a week. Then you're like, okay, well I have, well don't you have to just do this, this, and this? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to do that. So definitely like learning to because also as a designer, um, it will just help you become a lot better. But yeah, when it comes to the teammates I had, man, um, of course you know we had we had times when people may have different ideas or different things of that nature, but you know we always got it worked out. Because like I said, once you get to know the people you're working with you know how to respond to different situations depending on the person. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Now, mm-hmm. what's great is the idea you said where, like, understand all the different uh, disciplines. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. really key, especially when you want to be a leader because you can't just tell someone, hey, make the uh, make something, like, epic, like a giant building with all the detailed stuff so, <laughs> in one day. And it's like, as a 3 model, you would be like, um, it's going to take a little longer than that. And you're like, oh, yeah. you can do it now. You're really good. It's like, no, it just takes time. So understanding mm-hmm. that is really important. And, in fact, one of our guests gave a challenge. It was, like, if you're a programmer, do, like, an art assignment. Or if you're yes. an art, artist, just, like, figure it, like, going in, like, just challenge yourself. But also, like, get to see how they work and maybe it might be more challenging mm-hmm. than you thought it was. Because that that's a really cool idea. And also, yeah. I've, I've learned, I've done, like, a bunch of different courses of programming art. And it just really, like, you get so much of doing, like, a low-level course. Even if it's, like, mm-hmm. like, a couple hours. You really start to understand yeah. different things. And it makes your eye better to, like... Yes. Oh, maybe you know your program is art you can like see something. You're like, oh wait a minute, I, I know a little bit like that could be a little bit like shading and mm-hmm. fix that up and oh my gosh, it's so much better. Like just little details that you might not think important. You yeah. just you can still get to know that, get to tell the person who's an expert at it, and they'll be able to create it better. Cause it's hard to like convey ideas if you don't know how to like speak about the, exactly the technical terms and stuff like that. So right. I love them. Mm-hmm. And so you said you with background in art. So did you like draw all the time when you were younger or was you like drawing, painting, what kind of art was it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I always just liked, you know, I used to draw when I was young, just draw little things here and there. Um, you know, loved watching cartoons and things that nature. And as I got older, I started taking art classes, but I really wanted to get into 3D. And then once I got to Texas A&M, which was my undergraduate degree, wasn't which went to my undergrad in. Um, I had a chance to you know get into that, and I you know had friends who were already in that program for 3D art that really helped me learn how to use like Maya, Substance Painter, and Unreal Engine and stuff to that uh, to that capacity. So yeah, I, I've always really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I think even now, just when I see, it's just funny because even when I play games, I will see just like the art within the game. And sometimes my brother would get mad, because just like, Hey, can you play a game I'm like Bro I'm trying to look at the tessellation on the on the ground of this of this texture? Like, no, look at the look at this rock shader. Look how so I'm always this, you know, I'm always one of those guys who that's sometimes just, you know, instead of fighting the the bad guy, I'll be like, Oh, let me look at his textures, let me see how they you know, how they texture his
0: armor or something like that. That's just being naturally curious. Yeah. Explains probably why you're a great level designer because you're actually like, how did they do it? Let me try to do it my thing. And it helps yeah. with anything, especially when it comes to game development. It's just like mm-hmm. being a programmer and you're trying to learn something new. Let me go find out how they did it, how they wrote their yes. code. Same with art. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many things which is like, that's how you grow. That's how you learn. And then you take that and make it your own. And boom, mm-hmm. something new is born. Yep. So for that competition, how did you, what do you think allowed you guys to come in second place? Was it the ideas, the game design, or just the team effort?
1: Man, so pretty much, so how the competition went was, <clears throat> so pretty much how it went was like, it was actually like just my idea alone that I pitched, and then we had people split the teams within the club. So really, it was all like my idea. And I remember I had different ideas, and I went to my, my younger brother, because for my younger brother, he also understood a lot about game design. And I remember I was pitching different ideas, and he was like, hey, you should do this one and the idea ended up going with and it was called don't wake the drake and like i said the idea was like you were this thief who was trying to steal treasure from like a sleeping dragon and if you woke up the dragon the dragon would try to go around the lair trying to find you and everything of that nature and so you would try to get the treasure and head out and i remember i did the pitch and this was really funny so my professor andre um he was one of the judges and i remember i heard from people here like yeah man andre's a really tough judge like he can, you know, he'll he'll roast you. Your ideas are bad. This is and that, and I was actually very nervous about that. And I remember I did my pitch, and people were asking me questions. And then Andre sitting there, and we're all waiting for him to ask me something. And it's like we all turned looked at him, and didn't say anything. And I was kind of like, wait, that's really kind of weird. Like, what, what, why did you not say anything? Um, but yeah, I ended up came, in, I ended up um, coming in second. The guy who won first, he was like a PhD student who had been making games for most of his life. And the guy who was in third was, but um. yeah, the guy who was in third actually won the competition the year prior. And yeah, I mean, I guess they they really liked the idea that I had. I remember I went to my I went to Andre the next day in class. I was like, Andre, how come you didn't say anything during my pitch? Like, you know, he was like, there was nothing to say. It was a great pitch. And I was kind of like, oh wow, like. I just impressed my professor you know used to work at EA like that's, so, you know that was really cool um
0: yeah wow and then yeah. how do you think you did that cuz you said like the guy was a phd student in first place third place guy already won but you just you said this you're starting out you just came in had your idea and came in second like how do you think that <laughs> yeah. happened you were studying a lot of game design or you just had a great idea cuz like
1: i i think because i had a so i had a friend of mine who he was a graduate student um, in the program and I was work while I was working on my pitch and my ideas and stuff, I will always go to him and ask him ask him stuff like, Hey man, what do you think about this? Or you asking him like, hey, what what are what does like what do mechanics mean? What does game mean that's trying to really get a lot of that terminology, a lot of that knowledge? And I think really working with him it helped me out a lot. And but yeah, as far as me coming second place, man, I trust me when I'm telling you when they announced my name, I was very surprised. I was like, wait, what I- what? <laughs> like and there were like eight people who pitched so congrats to all of them too man but yeah that was very surprising
0: now do you have any any advice for anybody who like needs to make a pitch <clears throat> how should they like um you know say their pitch deliver it mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah definitely what pitches one thing don't ne- don't use a lot of words um people don't like to read um, no one likes to read a paragraph, and I think that was one thing. I remember we seeing the pitches. Uh, we had one guy who did a pitch, and his he had one slide that literally had looked like he copied and pasted from his GDD, his game design document. And there was no like, way. I swear, I swear to God. And I was, I remember, I remember, during the thing, Andre was just like, I don't want to read all this. Um, but for me, yeah. what it was so. What you want to do is like have pictures, have visual, have visual cues on your screen. And then a lot of the stuff, like, you know, you talk about it because you want them to pay attention to you. You want them to see the picture and be like, oh, okay, cool. That's an idea. And then they won't listen to you talk about the idea. Um, you know, definitely sound 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 confident when you're pitching an idea. You know, make it seem like, yes, like, this idea is going to be awesome. Uh, so definitely have, because, you know, it's, it's your it's your idea. It's your baby. You know, if anyone needs to have faith in it, it, ha- it has to be you. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, just really have fun up there, you know, just... You know, it's, and then they, it's, a, it's a pitch. Um, there are some pitches you'll do that are really awesome. And some I've had really good ones. I've had really bad ones, you know. So let's go up there and have fun with it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the key thing. Have fun. We're making mm-hmm. games. Well, yeah. Well, should we should <laughs> be having fun, right?
2: Yep.
0: Now, it looks like you've played with Unreal, Unity, Maya, all that stuff. How does someone really, like, learn to understand these engines without getting confused or boggled down by all the stuff that's in those engines?
1: Um, I would say, man, just, I mean, I would tell people, think about a game, maybe try to recreate something from a game that you like, and try to look up those different mechanics or different things they do. I think that can definitely help a lot, because at least then you'll have a goal in mind, right? So don't go in there and say, I'm going to make an uh, a wow, a wow in Unreal Engine <laughs> No, no, man. Like, <laughs> Blizzard, Blizzard got five. I, trust me, I've heard it. I've heard people who are like, I'm going to make a game that's going to, like, beat WoW and beat League, and I'm like, hey, man, you can try it, but I'm just letting you know, that's a lot. But just maybe take, you can think of something like, hey, think of, like, a level from God of War that you really like, or maybe a mechanic from Koso Tsushima, or, you know, there's something from a game that you really enjoy and try to recreate that, so you can just... Look at tutorials and see, okay, how did they do that act Story mechanic in God of War? Or how do they do the, like, sneaking in Metal Gear Solid? You know, all type of things. And just Google. Google with your best friend. Google everything. Um, so many things that uh, you will learn from Google. I remember even for me, because I also was a teaching assistant at Michigan State. And the one thing we tried to get a lot of students to get into was using Google because it's a of like us as TAs may know a lot, our professors may know a lot, but there are going to be some things where we will not know. And there'll be somewhere, someone out there on Google, with, on the forum, that will let you know, like, oh, you're trying to make this thing. Oh, okay, well, here's this, uh, this two page document that I typed up, you know, just so I can have people look at it. So, yeah, Google is your best friend, man. And also taking classes like the make course I talked about. Um, there's also stuff from Udemy where they have game development classes. So that's really trying to soak in a lot
0: of that knowledge. A hundred percent. You mm-hmm. just never know. Like even the axe thing, I looked it up on uh, YouTube a while back. And yeah, mm-hmm. somebody made it unreal. So I followed yeah. the story and I was like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Now, Ricardo <laughs> Ricardo, and I and everyone in the podcast is a joke where we say don't make wow. And it's funny. You literally said that. You're like, yeah, don't, don't make wow. Don't make wow. Because it's like people always come out of the gate being like, I'm going to make the biggest game possible. And it's like, no, just make something super, super small. Yeah. Make it. Be proud of it. Put it out there. Let people see it. Give your feedback. Go to the second game. Improve upon it. And keep doing it until you get like the game that you want. Yes. But going yeah. straight out, you might never finish your game if you just do something huge. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. yes.
2: And uh, you always think your idea is amazing. And you never <laughs> find out that it actually sucks if you don't <laughs> put it out there, you know? Yep. Then you start yep. polishing and learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. first game is never going to be the next WoW. <laughs> no. Don't make WoW. Well. There, there's never going to no. be a next WoW. The genre is kind of dying. Just. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> yeah. I
0: didn't really... I mean, eh. I didn't like RuneScape. I didn't like WoW. I don't know. I just I like the first-person shooters, the story games, and the yeah. RTSs. The one where you like Total War, Age of Empires, Rise of Nations, Civilization. Oh.
2: Was <laughs> uh, I had a I huge that. Rise of Nations face. Mm-hmm.
0: I was a Pokemon kid.
1: And I played all the Pokemon games. I love. I still love Pokemon.
2: Yeah, actually I yeah. played Leaf Green on my first Game Boy uh, like eight years ago.
0: Oh man. That was the first game I ever put. No, it wasn't. Actually, Donkey Kong was on the Game Boy Color, the old one where it had. Ah, them. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> man, I oh, never God. Beat those games. They were
1: so hard. They were man. They it took yeah it they took them time. But now it's a I wouldn't say it's easier, but I say because people are playing games so much now, it's just
0: you know people are learning, man. People are learning. I'm curious, what's your favorite Pokemon? <laughs> Bro, that's. Um, out of all nine hundred, yeah, you have one that like just hits hits you, just like this is the one
2: nine hundred. There's really? like yeah. two fifty one.
0: That's, that's, the,
1: that's yeah. the that's the original man. I'm talking okay. like yeah, I would honestly probably go with with Charizard, Charizard. Oh
0: wow, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta go
1: with
2: Charizard, bro. It's R- Charizard's OG it's
0: the originals.
2: Yes. So it out of the one fifty, it's enough for you then. Okay. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely made the Pokemon games a lot easier. Like Sun and Moon, I remember playing the game, and they have it to where after you fight a Pokemon, yeah. they tell you which attacks are super effective, which ones this and that to a Pokemon. Yeah, and I was kind of like, bro, but like, that's the, that's like, you know, that like, that's almost like if I'm playing Call of Duty and it is, there's just a, a thing on the AI saying the AI is going to go left and right, like where, like, you know, and the game I remember that game being so easy. And I'm like, man, kids though, kids have it easy these days. I don't understand back in the day when I played Pokemon Gold and there was a pseudo woodo That was a rock type, you think it's a grass type. So, you know, they yeah, they made it a whole lot easier. But I mean it was it was still fun though, but I was just like, Man, I kinda miss it being a little bit harder.
0: So I'm curious for the game design purposes, there's Think they also designed the game to be even easier because I hear people don't like the new Pokemon games. Like, what do you think changed?
1: I I think with the Pokemon game, I think they, I think like I, I think they resemble with the new Sun and Moon. I think it's just because they're trying to appeal, you know, because Pokemon is always something that you know a lot of kids love to play. And I think the thing where if like a game hasn't really evolved with its audience, um, I haven't really had to play Sword and Shield, um, because I don't have a Nintendo Switch yet. I need to get one. But I think it's just a thing of where, you know, they're still trying to appeal to, you know, younger people and younger generation. And it's the thing that's like for us, you know, we've been playing that game since we were young. So, of course, you know, we would love for it to evolve as it goes on. You know, it's almost like with God of War. Uh, God of War, one, the first one, of course, was appealing to a certain audience, a certain audience. And now the newer one is like it's grown up, you know, with us. So I think it might be something like that. Um, I, think still, I think they're still fun games, but definitely, you know, I wish it was a bit more of a challenge. And I think because since I'm now a designer, I think about these things. So I'm kind of like, oh, well, they could have tr- tried doing this with this, or they could have tried to do yeah. this with, like, or take
0: this out. Yeah. I, cause my friend and, actually has it. Oh, yeah, no, go
2: ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, my friend has it on the uh, Switch. And I it's cool because it's everything I ever wanted when I was younger. It's like 3D now. You can actually see the fights, the moves. Mm-hmm like I so I'm wondering why people didn't like it because I was like it looks pretty good Pokemon are really there it yeah. should be the best game ever but um, I guess not
2: yeah yeah I think the issue is also it's a 20 year old franchise uh, it's kind of right done everything they could already yeah no that's true I mean
1: sometimes people sometimes people people don't like change right um, yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm currently playing Infinite Warfare. I remember when that first came out back in the day. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, Infinite Warfare is so bad!" And I'm play I'm like, "This is Call of Duty in space. Like, this is some really cool stuff." But for some people, you know, if if you change some, if you change one thing about something that they really love and enjoy, you know, they just go bananas over it. Yeah, I,
2: yeah exactly. Yeah. If it's not World War II, I'm not playing. Simple. Not
0: boots on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I like boots on the ground, but I thought Black Ops 3 was fun, where you could, like, double jump away from people. Like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Infinite Warfare, I played a little bit of it. I didn't hate it. I thought I actually mm-hmm. was, and actually I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. There are some yeah. things I think just feels differently. I don't know. There's like, this weird thing between Infinite War games and, um, Treyarch games. I like Treyarch games more. They just feel... Right. more. I don't know. I'm just... I flow with those games more. I vibe with yeah. them. I get the most kills. Mm-hmm. But... I I guess it's just the same thing with game comes to game design. It's just different people peel to different things. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Everyone has everyone has different um different likes. I mean, for me, I play first person shooters, but if you were if I were to pick between playing Uncharted and Call of Duty, I like Uncharted a bit more. So some yeah. people love Call of Duty, some people don't really care for it. So it just really all depends on the on the person.
0: Now I'm curious, as a game designer, you try to like drown out all the noise? Because some might be people who don't understand game design or some people don't appeal. Like, how do you know which is the right feedback to take and which is not the right feedback to take?
1: <laughs> man. <laughs> That's, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, honestly, you just really got to listen to people, man, because there are some people, I would never say when it comes to your game, when you're first making it in the beginning, you know, try to have other designers look at it. Because um, right now, actually, asking for a project, Ruby Shark, that I'm on, um, we had like our first playable build uh, months ago, and I'm in the Discord called the Design Den, which was created by a lead level designer at Massive Entertainment, And we have like a bunch of LDs from around the industry in there. And me and my friends, we posted our game in there and we got a lot of feedback from, you know, industry LDs. Like I remember <clears throat> I had one guy who was a he's an open world. He's an associate open world level designer for Ubisoft. And he sent me like a bunch of feedback about our game. And the guy who works at Massacre Entertainment, who actually also worked on the Call of Duty games, he gave us feedback. You know, we had people from respawn. So I would definitely say in the beginning, like try to have other designers look at your stuff and see. And then once you feel like you're in a good spot, then have other people play it. But yeah, as far as feedback, like is this thing that you that you have to understand and get used to? Because sometimes people may think, um, because then they the know it's your game and you want to listen to feedback, but also don't try to deter from, uh, deter from things. But always like when people are giving you feedback, just make sure to be respectful and make sure like, okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Cause sometimes the thing about it is, I think what happens with some of us as who are creative and I do this as well, is that when someone's giving us feedback, we tend to be a bit defensive because like, you no, know, it's, yeah. it's our thing, we're creating it. You know, it's our, it's our child. It's just, you know, like, Hey, the person's not trying to be what you and your, and your talent, they're just trying to help you to make something, to make something better. Um, so, yeah, and because the one thing that happens is if someone's giving you feedback and you don't take it, then they can be kind of like, okay, then why should I keep coming to you then? Why should I keep, you know, playing your game because you're clear to what I'm saying. But, you know, take the feedback in and when they give it to you, then be like, okay, well, you know, we will try to go for this direction. I'm we'll like, okay, Noah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, then you work your way into it. And then once you have all that feedback on paper, then you look through and see like, okay, this person has something to say. Okay, this person said this. Okay, this person said and eh, this person say, "Hey, maybe you should have like, you know, uh, like fairy wings." And eh, no, we're making Call of Duty, I think we more to it, stay away from that. But we'll, you know, we'll do that in the sequel or something. So yeah, it's just you know, you just really have to figure out how to cut through it. And for people who, and it's always interesting for people who don't understand game development, because I think for a lot of people, the average the average person or even average gamer, a lot of them don't realize how much work and effort goes into making games. I mean, you look at something like GTA. GTA has like 500 developers on it, you know, and most people don't don't realize that. Um, And even for me, there are times where people come in and say, "Hey, Nathan, I think I have an idea for a game." I actually have a funny story where I first started. I was starting graduate school, and I got a call from my old um, community college. One of my old community college coaches. And he called me, he was like, Yeah, Nathan, I got an idea for this game or whatever. I want to pay you and people for it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me see what you're saying. Then he was like, I wanna I want you and your team to make like a game that's like the old NCAA games. And I was kinda like, Whoa, wait, what, bro? I'm I'm, I'm not oh EA, but you're, you're like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, 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 And but for me, I'm the type of person where if someone if someone doesn't know um, I try to educate them because I feel like for people to, to for people to learn they have to be educated. And I remember I was like, okay, you know, what, coach, let me go talk to my people, and then I'll see. So I actually talked to my professor who worked at EA about it, and he was giving me he was giving me like some numbers that they did when they were like, how many people were on EA, how long it take, how long did it take? I was talking to a programmer friend of mine who was talking about like all the systems that would have to be done and things of that nature. And I think by the time I was done, man, I think. Um, yeah, the game. If he wanted us to make that game, it would have been like, like probably up to forty to fifty million dollars, and that was just like, the, yeah, the bare minimum. I, I went back to my coach and I called him and I told him that he was like, oh, well, we don't have that kind of money. I'm like, yeah, no, coach. So this, this is what it is. So I'm this type of person where if someone doesn't know, I don't sit there and I go, oh, well, this person's an idiot. Like, you're one. Maybe there's a me. Maybe I was like, I'm going to go get some numbers, get some information, come back to you and say, hey, man here's everything, here's all this information, now take it and what take
0: it with what you want to do with it. Yeah. That's a beautiful mindset, though. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, like, oh, you don't know, or belittle someone, and just say, yeah, you don't know. Instead, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, let me educate you so that you have a better understanding of things, and then maybe move mm-hmm. forward with it or not, at least you know. Yes. I think it would make the world better if yeah. people just did that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> people don't seem to realize that even, like, you, anyone, really, like, we know nothing about most things, or yeah. very, very little at least. Mm-hmm. Like you know, a lot about like five subjects at most. Yeah.
0: I think it's the ego. You gotta take the ego and leave it at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <I hope laughs> fake feedback, they're not attacking you; they're attacking the idea, so that way we can. I'm attacking it. They're, you know. Saying things about it so it can be better. That's what all yes. people really do, ninety yeah. percent of
2: people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If someone is giving you feedback like they care enough about your project to talk to you, like yep. I yeah. ideally in a polite way as well. So come
0: yeah. mm-hmm. on. Talk, <laughs> talk to this them politely as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, is there anything your professor from EA said that like sticks with you today?
1: Um uh, man, I think for me, so when it came to the NCAA game specifically, just, and this was stuff that, you know, that it made sense, but just really thinking about it on a granular scale is the fact that when it comes to making a game a sports game, um, uh, let's, let's just talk about, let's just talk about, you know, NCAA, for example, um, they have to try to get, have to get the licensing from all the universities so they got to get licensing from, from 100 different schools. Um, they have to get licensing from like Nike, Under Armour, Russell, anything you can think of, just so they can try to have their stuff in game. And he's said, you know, something like that, you know, it costs us a lot of money. And I think for me, just talking to him, just says the fact of how much goes into it. And I think he told me like for NCAA games, they would have like 120 people working on the project. So yeah, and it's just like this for me, just really think of the sheer size of, you know, how many people and the things that the hurdles you have to go through just so you can make these games. Um, and, you know, and we all know, like, NCAA games, the reason why they end up being sold because, you know, a lot of college players are saying they're using their name and likenesses. And unfortunately, NCAA um, before didn't let you make money off your name and likeness because that's just, that's just the rules. So is this one of those things where there's so many um, hurdles to jump through when it comes to making those type of games that I think it really took my mind. So it was just like, oh, yeah, you're right. you have to pay all the universities. And think about it, like, this, like a University of Alabama, who's a national champion like seven times, is going to want a lot more money than, you know, a smaller school, maybe in the middle of Texas, you know? So it was us really thinking about those, those logistics that really stuck out to me.
0: I never thought about that, but that's true. Like all mm-hmm. the teams that they have to uh, put in a game, they have to pay a portion <clears> of the yes. sales to them. Like, I wonder how much that costs in total. I think for like, uh, FIFA, for some, they, do they pay like all those teams, the ones around the world too? They would have to. That's insane. So maybe it makes <laughs> sense why they have this like weird microtransaction like frenzy those, like things. Like, yeah. They make so much money from it, but does it really go to the people or does it go back to those Yeah.
2: And, and it's probably easier also for FIFA or NBA or NFL that like you have a centralized, you know, organizer for the sport or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. But uh f- for something not as centralized, it's probably harder. Like Yeah.
0: Yeah, like making a ready player one game. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like
2: FIFA, maybe like they just pay some money to FIFA and they just don't do anything to the teams. Just say, oh, bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Possibly, <yeah. laughs> Enjoy your rights to play our sports. Bye. <laughs> Damn.
0: I don't think anybody will get too upset about that, right? Like, nobody's going to sue someone. Like, oh my gosh, you put me in a game and I'm not getting money. I mean, there's
2: was. always someone.
0: Someone's like, always trying to I mean, find a reason to sue. Oh, free publicity!
2: Right. It sucks. Yeah. Like Nintendo suing uh, streamers. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there were striking streamers and stuff.
0: Like that's insane. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, through, throughout your college experience, is there anything you can take, like one or like a sentence you can take away about, like? No, actually, no, no, no. What's the most important thing about game design for you?
1: For me, um, yeah. I would say whatever everything you're doing is to make the game fun, um, because the idea you have in the beginning is not going to be this is not going to be the game at the end, um, because. There are so many games that I've worked on where you have an idea, and we're just like, oh, we're trying to make this, but then sometimes things evolve and things are different, and then it's something completely different. Um, I'm trying to think for an example, probably on uh, one of my portfolios. It's probably one called Sphere, where it's like the sci fi one. And the whole point of that game is you're rotating the entire level to move around the environment. So, um, kind of like a Zelda dungeon, kind of like uh, one of uh, Breath of the Wild's um, dungeons. And in the beginning, that game was like a lot more, probably like a, a, a lot more smaller when it came to rotation. But then the thing was with that project, we had a lot of very talented artists. And the game that we at first talked about, they were like, guys, you make this game where you have these really small characters and these really small environments, you don't need three 3D artists. So we ended up making them a lot bigger, made it more sci-fi um, because we actually had a guy who wanted to be a, a hard surface modeler for the Star Wars games. And it's just that thing of where whatever you first make in the beginning, and thing, things are going, things are going to change. Um, and don't get married to your idea. Uh, and everything you do is like, is all to make the game fun. Sometimes you could have a mechanic like I really want to do this mechanic, and it's like, okay, yeah, but it's not going to work for our game right now. Because I've had it to where I would be working on the game, and there's something that I really, that I really want to put in. It's like, okay, this is going to make it fun. This is going to make this game fun, and it just doesn't. So you just have to learn, you know everything you're doing says the best for the game and whatever makes it fun, you know, that that makes it fun.
2: Yeah, I people agree. tend to fall into the sunken cost fallacy a lot with game development. Yes. Even big I mean, companies do it all the time, like, spend two years developing this game, we have to finish to sell it, and then mm-hmm. they spend twice as much making it and don't even make it back. <laughs> yeah. Even half of it. Sad. Maybe they had a too big of a scope. Yeah, that's why Dark Phoenix sucks. The movie, of course. Oh man, I didn't watch it. Should never come out. Should just have stayed there. Like no one needed to see it. Damn, that's rough. So beyond,
0: actually, wait. Before we move on to that, what is fun for you? Like, what? How would you define fun? How would I define fun? Oh man, that's. Interesting. I don't think I've really.
2: I don't It's know. 42. <laughs> That's
0: against the universe. Uh,
1: like, but I guess, I um, I guess fun for me is just. I guess for me, what I find fun is just I'm playing a game while I'm doing something that really makes me kind of think, you know, before I act. Um. I like combat. I like games that have come to come and you think. So, kind of uh, those are, are Sushima where. Ooh, yes. Yeah, when well you have like the four different styles and you're five different enemies and you can be rushed by three enemies, and you have to know like, okay, I'm going to use the water stance to like fight this guy off and then switch to the stone stance. So I kind of like that, like kind of making me think quick on my feet and just, or even like in with Ghost of Tsushima, where it's like you're doing stealth and you're like, okay, if I take this route, I have to go here and like I'll assassinate this guy. And I'll throw a dart at that guy. So I, I just really, I think me, that's really making those, de- like making those decisions, which is all games are. Games are just really a bunch of decisions that the player has to make. And, you know, I think that's what makes it a block fun. Is just, especially when it's a game where it's like you have different avenues to take, because then some people, like some people may play, you know, Ghost Assassin's Creed, where they just go in and just start killing everybody. Some people might just do it where they may, Hit a guy with a poison dart and let him do some stuff, and they switch it by, you know. So I think that's me what I like a lot, and that's why I have different options when I'm playing the game.
0: No, oh, I agree. My favorite game is the games with many choices, like Detroit Become mm-hmm. Human. Oh that man, game, that game it's is amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, 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 it's a old
0: story. Yeah, yeah, it's like what, I'm, and then it really shows that like your choices matter. Yeah. Like, I think that's another thing that we get with games. It's just like, oh, you can always respond. But it's like, life isn't like that. So, like, when you play a game like that where you you can lose your main characters and the game will still go on until you lose yeah. all of them. It's yeah. wild to me.
1: I thought that was great because I remember for me, like, when I would play games, I'm like, oh, I would. Because, you know, some games, they have the quote-unquote uh, your choices matter when it's like, you know, I know that, like, some with some games where it's like, Oh, you kill like you can have this one person die or this other person die, but the endings in the same. And for me, with the becomes Human, I love because like your choices really matter. Like the ending of the game can be so different depending on who lives and who dies. And I remember playing; I was just like, "Yo, okay, like this is really insane." And I think the guy—I can't think of the developer's name—the lead, the lead of that part. I think it took them like two years to write that script because there's like over. Like twenty different endings to that game, like it, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and it all started from a little small video, and he was like, "You know what? I have a game for that." So he wrote, 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 until he's like, "This is it," and he made it. And I was
1: like, "That's wow. how that happens." It's all, it's all from an idea. Like, hey, I got an idea for that, and then next, yeah. year, it's a, block, it's a, it's a 60 hour experience.
0: It's crazy. It's just like anything creative. I, I'm like that too. Like, I can see a picture, and I'll just be like, I see something. I see a story. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. run with that story, you never know what could happen. That's yeah. why I think games are great, because you can just make something come to life, and it can grow into something beautiful, like the Assassin's Creed series or the God of War series. Or... I love also yeah. a lot of the PlayStation games, like Detroit, Last of Us. Last of Us 2, how do you feel about Last of Us 2?
1: I, so I definitely can see where people's um, anguish is. Yeah. I think for me, so... And I, I, I'm not sure if both of you have played, but there was definitely a play a part for me in the game where, because my point from the game when I played it is a thing where it's like everybody is a protagonist in their own story. Because yeah. yeah, it was a thing where it's like you know Ellie thinks that she's doing the right thing because no Abby did this, and Abby's thinking she's doing the right thing because like Joel did this. So I think for me <clears throat> playing it, I. After playing it, really thinking about it, I was like, no, I think I can see where Naughty Dog was coming from. Are there some things I could have done a bit differently? Like, yeah, yeah. of course. You know, I definitely, I I think for me, I, I played it. I, I loved it because I'm a really big Naughty Dog fan. Um, but I can definitely see where, where some of people's anguishes lie with it, you know, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. I, I remember one of <laughs> the, actually, I don't feel like doing spoilers, but there are moments in the game where, like, I didn't like it. And then as the hours went on, I was like, I like this character, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, things happen, and you're like, what? <laughs> so, and yeah, just so many emotions, and I think that's what they wanted. I would say, I agree with you with that like I think the execution wasn't perfect. The idea was mm-hmm. cool. I liked what they did. It's just, I don't think it works for everyone. And right. It is what it is. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. just like moments in the game where, you know, you, you start out with nothing, and you kind of build it up, and then you kind of do it again you mm-hmm. think it would have been cool if they did it the reverse, where it was like, you lose, you had everything, and you slowly lose it as you're going through this journey? Because I feel like that should be, I don't know if it would be a good game design, because you're certainly losing, like, you have know, less materials, less upgrades, less stuff, but I think it mm-hmm. would fit the game aspect, because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going through all these battles, losing friends, losing this, and now I don't have enough weapons, where I started out with, like, all these weapons. You know, yeah. Like, more, like, impactful or, or fit with the narrative?
1: Um, uh, maybe. I mean, that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, I do know for some players, though, because it's a thing where, like, if you lose something that you really enjoy, it's like, oh, my God, I lost this this weapon. I think depending on how they're doing it. Because actually for Ruby Shark um, that I'm working on, because we're trying to make it like a whole series experience. And we're trying to have it to where we have, like, special weapons in the game, but you're going to lose them. And I think for that, it's like depending on how how does the player lose this thing. Um, if yeah. you, like, So if you're playing a game where you, maybe you you have a weapon that you really enjoy... And then the next level is it's gone. It's like wait, where is that weapon I had? But maybe if you do a thing where let's just say, oh, you had to like open this door, so you need to use this weapon to pry open the door, and then the weapon breaks, or you know st- stuff like that. So I think really depending on how you on how the player loses it, and to a point where like it makes sense, I think like then you can go that route. But yeah, I mean that that definitely could have been an interesting idea. Yeah,
2: yeah. But uh, at the same time, like people were kind of mad with Breath of the Wild with like. Yeah, the weapons was, breaking. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. like the weapons don't even have a personality. Like it's a stick. Yeah, I don't care about the <laughs> stick.
1: <laughs> yeah, people were. I remember that it was a really big complaint, and people were really bad about that. I was just like, but "Wait,
0: so what happened?" You just like
2: used your weapon the weapons break break. In them Yeah, yeah, yeah no, they, they break. break over time. They have durability. Like, mm-hmm. and they're not like iconic weapons. They're not legendary or anything. It's like great sword or like. Mm-hmm. Acts. Why do they do that? Just to give it a harder like experience? <laughs> to make you keep exploring, because then you need to always look for new weapons.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you're right. always in the state of having to explore the world. Because what happens in like, open world games when you get to a higher level is that you have infinite weapons and everything super powerful. You don't even open the chests anymore. You just keep yep. going. hmm and the game always feels like an adventure, at least for me. Like, I played like 100 hours in like three weeks. It was a pretty good game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I haven't had to play but i definitely heard for a lot of people like they, it really encourages you, you know, exploring the entire
0: world. Yeah. It's hard though, uh, you know, as a game designer, but like to make everything mean something. because oh, yeah. There's a lot of moments where just like, you throw stuff into a game, but like, if there's nothing behind any of that, then it doesn't matter. Like, you can have a whole cool open world, but there's nothing to do in the open world. What's the point? Right. Like, exactly. You have to like guide players. Imagination comes. Like, I used to do with Lego games where I'd play a game and just imagine a bunch of stories. But even then, it's just like mm-hmm. you have to allow those moments. Like the custom creators allowed me to do that way. Right? Build a Lego character, make a story for him. Right. So how did you how did you go from the masters to getting a job? Uh, what was your first job? It Was that a game? Oh, is that internship? Michigan Health Information.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, right now, so for so for Ruby Shark is actually more of a passion project between me and my me and my uh, friends. I am still currently looking for a job in industry. I've had a couple interviews. Um, like I had, I've had a chance to interview with places like Insomniac, Sucker Punch, uh, and Treyarch actually. Uh, but you know, still trying to get that first foot in the door. But for Ruby Shark. Um, I was in the Design Dead uh, Discord uh, with uh, with uh, all those designers. And one of them who's a friend of mine now. He was like, hey, we're looking for another LD for this project. You know, we've seen your stuff. And we want you to kind of be one of, help us be, like, one of our leads for the project. And then I talked to him about it. They interviewed me. And for me, because the whole point of the game, the game is a mixture of, like, say, Titanfall 2 with, with Doom Rooms. Um, OK. Yeah, yeah. And that really, because I love Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 is probably like one of my favorite, favorite shooters next to Doom, And that really intrigued me. So, yeah, that was just them like reaching out, trying to find another LD, uh, because unfortunately they had to let somebody go. And they were like, hey, we want you to come in, and make us a level. So my whole thing is like I'm one of the design leads. So I kind of help out with um, the whole idea process of the game um sitting down with other designers talking about their puzzles their levels their combat spaces and just overall helping out managing the team
0: so for anybody who doesn't know or doesn't work in the industry at the moment what is it like being a game designer like a professional game designer and how does it work at a studio
1: um really it's a. Uh, I mean really when you're working with like this people man just this is really awesome because there's so many people that have some different ideas and Sometimes you can have ideas that can pop up from just the random places. I mean, I've had games where I would have artists say, "Oh, well, it'd be cool if the player does this," and you probably kind of, you're like, you know what? Yeah, that actually would be pretty cool. How come I didn't think of that? I'm like, I'm a designer. That's kind of crazy. So you know, is this is this interesting because this like this sitting with people talking about things and a lot of times ideas and mechanics and this flow can just flow through um, and it's really awesome because for me with Ruby Shark. It's really my first time working with, um, because the internship that I did, it was for a health communication company where they were looking for people to help gamify some of their apps. So I was kind of there like leading the charge for that as an intern, Um, because it was like really them trying to get into game, like they just want to try to get into game design themselves um, just to understand like gamification and and sense. Um, But for Ruby Shark, it's really for me, the first time really working with other LDs who are just, who know as much as I do or even more. So I've definitely been able to, to learn a lot. I learned a lot of things from them. And definitely my work has improved a lot over
0: over time. Awesome. What is your workflow like every day? Do you like continue to learn new things? Do you, how do you keep your skills on top? Hmm. Um, I mean, I would
1: definitely say, yeah, just trying to just... Learning new workflows, learning new things. I love watching GDC videos about level design because there's always gems, and sometimes I will rewatch them because there's always like hidden gems that you may miss. Um, you know, talking to the other designers on the team about like, hey man, I'm thinking about doing this, about doing this level like this. What do you think? Oh, I think that'd be cool. We do it like this. So it's just really, you know, or even what I also do is like going on our station just looking at art that can sometimes inspire you to make a space. Um, you know, because as a level designer, because to me I feel like as a when you're a level designer, you're also an artist. And artists always need reference when they're working on something. So just really going up on there and just trying to find different references or different spaces, it's like, oh that's a cool picture. What if I did this but like this? So, yeah, it's just really just looking to be, like, you know, creative as much as you can and soaking in creativity from whatever. whether it's looking at art, watching movies, watching TV, playing other games itself.
0: I love the stuff you have in your art station. It's really, really cool. The Whiplash (laughs) trailer and all the different levels you made. Yeah. Cowboy one. How long does it take you to make these levels? Like, is it like a process? Like you plan it, make. It?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for whi- yeah, I think Whipslash. Um, that's probably one of the most fun games that I've worked on. Whipslash took was a semester-long project. Um, and that was yeah, that was semester-long project. And you know, I went through. Of course, I played the game because the whole. So the thing about that game, I actually kind of joined it late because it was made for another class uh, where they did a prototype. Where because the whole point of that game is like you're throwing at you're throwing axes. And kind of like God of the War, I remember playing the prototype and I was really in love with the prototype. Like, I, I was like, yo, guys, like, I want to make a level for this game. Like, can I make a level for it? And like, yeah, sure. And for me, just really, it took a whole semester because I would go through, I would make a top down view, of course, drawing out the, the space, understanding, like, okay, how's the player going to move through the space? Then I would also make like really rough blockouts in Maya because it's the LD. Like, using Maya was really, really helpful. And then just going in there and building and just iterating upon iterating. I think that level I made for Whip slash it probably went through like, God, probably four to five major iterations over the semester.
0: Okay. Hey. hey, but it's how you get it to the point where it's amazing. That's yes. To play with. Yes. The game looks so cool. It does. It's like God of War, but we have two axes now, and you're just destroying the robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool.
1: yeah. Yeah. It's in VR too. VR was it was interesting design levels of VR because it was like you know, you're, you're trying to guide the player as much as you can because now in VR, the, player's in the, the player is now in the space and they're trying to figure out where to go. So it just feels like you have to be even twice as obvious. I'm like, hey, yes, go down this hallway, make a turn here. And especially the movement itself was different because we're using a teleporter. The way how you move in whipslash is there's these different markers that are like blue that are on the wall and you throw at them and you pull your VR controller to them. Even like the movement itself, you know, it was like a whole different thing to design for. Like that was a game where I spent a lot of time just on making sure the like making sure moving through the space felt good.
0: Wow. Awesome. Now I'm curious, what advice would you have for anybody who is just starting out and they want to do level design?
1: Just starting out, want to level design? Um, man, I would. That like I think I said before, like. Play a game, I would say, play a game you really, like, look at a game you really enjoy, and really love, and just try to make a level for that. Um, I know modding is also a really good start as well. I've never modded myself, per se, never had, uh, but I know a lot of designers in the industry now who start off making mods in, in Radiant for Call of Duty or maybe something for Doom. Um, yeah, man, just go in there and start building things, because, you know, when you start building things, you start, you start learning. So and I would always think when you look at games, like look at games that have really good level of science, see what they did well, and then you try to create that and try to create the space. I actually have studies in my portfolio where I've made levels from game side that I really enjoy just so I can understand like okay, how players, how do they, you know, know what objects to spawn as things of that nature. Mm-hmm.
0: It's terrific advice. Mm-hmm. So we've reached near the end of the podcast and mm-hmm. before we end it off, I'd like to ask the guests a little challenge for this community. So you can come up with a small challenge to for all the viewers to do after the podcast. Could be about anything mm-hmm. help design, whatever you would like.
1: Man, a challenge, man. I would I guess for me a challenge is I would tell somebody make a level that fits in your favorite game. Ooh. Yeah. Make, I like that. Yeah. Because I've I've seen people do that before and is you no know, like if you if you like The Last of Us, um think of a town and try to make it work for the last of us. Um if you like Doom, think of a you know a Doom combat space. So think of a game you really enjoy and you really love and try to make a level
0: for that. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. This has been an amazing conversation with a lot of yeah. design and Congrats on coming in second place in the competition and <laughs> hopefully get that Treyarch job or the other ones that's on the because that would be insane. Working are the next Spider-Man. <laughs> the next? Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Well, yeah. And uh, we just like to end it off by handing the mic to you to do any last minute shout outs, quotes, tips, whatever you'd like to end it off. And thanks for coming on. Mike's all yours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. First you no know, shout out to you guys for inviting me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. It's, it's an honor being here um yeah i would definitely say also uh ruby shark follow us at on twitter at ruby shark games um you know shout out to michigan state and texas a&m for giving me all the wonderful tools and things to being in game dev and you know yeah man big shout out to my family because you know what them inspired me and encouraged me to you know follow my dream
0: well that's it thanks for listening you can find all courses at GameDev.tv or in a show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.